So before I read, I want to ask you a little poll here. How many of you love this time of the year, Halloween? I mean, how many of you love what you know is going to happen every, time, every year at this time? There are going to be a whole raft of really scary movies coming out and being advertised on TV. Do you like scary movies? Some of you are afraid to admit you like scary movies. You're closet scary movie lovers, aren't you? I walk down the street from my evening walk with Julie, and, and there are skeletons hanging from rafters of porches outside. There are big, hairy spiders in huge spider webs with green glowing eyes in my neighborhood. There's one yard that, that has half submerged in the ground ghouls and goblins. Now, who can't love that? Boy, everybody is kind of looking at me a little serious. Seriously, Pastor? I'm going to tell you there is a reason to love Halloween. A really important reason to love Halloween because it's an annual reminder to you and to me that there is a dark world. And whether we love that or not, it is very easy to sort of slide past the dark world as if talk about the dark world in scary movies. I think this is the danger. Scary movies can be really scary, but at the same time they can get us to take the reality of the dark world not so seriously. They can get us to think, oh, that's just an imaginary fun thing. It's it's like at Easter, we have the Easter bunny, and at Christmas, we have Santa Claus, and at Halloween, we have ghouls and goblins. It's not real. We don't have to take it seriously. The Apostle Paul, and, and he writes to the Ephesians, and this is a well-known book, this letter that Paul writes to the Ephesians. It's got one of the most famous Bible passages in it, in Ephesians chapter 2, 8. Maybe some of you know it. For it is by grace we have been saved, by faith, through faith. And this not of ourselves, it is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Many of you, if you've been Christians for a while, you're pretty familiar with that. And think about the beauty of that gospel message. It is by grace we have been saved, we've been rescued. But at the end of this letter, at the conclusion, this is what I'm going to read to you is Paul's conclusion. He gets very serious and very solemn and, dare I say it, very real with us. And he talks about the dark world. He talks about Satan and its reality and how we are meant to respond to a world in which sin exists, evil exists, Satan is real. What are we to do about that? So let's read Ephesians chapter 6. If you brought your Bible, I, I certainly welcome you to follow along with me. If you have your Bible app, you can open that up to Ephesians 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse 10. Now here's the question we're asking today. And I don't think you're going to have trouble finding the answer to the question. So once I'm done with this reading, I'm going to give you right up front the answer to this question. The question is, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call 
when you become really aware that this dark, dangerous world thing is real? Paul's going to give us the answer to that. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper this morning, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Let's read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's the rescuer. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Think about that for just a moment. Sorry, I'm going to pause a couple times in this reading. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against one another. And so often we want to take the struggle and make it against one another. That's just one of the devil's lies to try to divide us, whether it be in the church, in our nation, to make the struggle with one another. It's not, Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There it is. It's real, folks. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You, you probably are noticing he's giving you the pieces, not of your body armor, but your soul armor. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I told you that it's not going to be hard for you to answer, who am I going to call after reading this? Who is it? You tell me. Help me out here. Who are you going to call? The Lord. You're going to call Jesus Christ. You're going to call God. Because if we're fighting supernatural power, what do we need? Human power to fight that with? I don't think so. To fight supernatural power, you've got to have supernatural power, greater supernatural power. So, of course, you're going to call God. But this reading that we just read, Ephesians 6, it answers that question right up front. So, we can just go home right now. Who are you going to call? Call God. Oh, no, I'm not going to let you out that easy. <laughs> Pastor Jeff has never preached a sermon that only lasted two minutes. Not even close. What we're going to answer here is, why call him? That's what Paul answers. That's the mystery, the tension of this set of verses is, why does Paul say he's the right guy to call? And we all at times need to call someone, right? Even on game shows, which Pastor Dustin is a master at, who wants to be a millionaire? You can do what? You can call a friend, right? So in all kinds of times and occasions, but more so when we're fighting the dark world, we have to have someone that we can call. Why? 
Because if you don't, we're back to the big lie that I spoke about. If you are determined that you're not going to call for any help, you're back to what I like to call white-knuckling it. You know what white-knuckling it is, don't you? It's when you're steering off course on your bike, and the only way that it feels like you can get that bike back on course is to just grip those handlebars as hard as you can until your knuckles are white, and on your own strength and power, redirect it back onto the path. Only we're not talking about bikes here. We're talking about souls. We're talking about sin. We're talking about things like addictions, which is where this phrase comes from. If you recognize this, do you know what the Bible calls addiction? The Bible has a spiritual name for addiction. It is sin that enslaves us. If you're trapped in an addiction, you're trapped in spiritual slavery. And if we think for a moment that we can somehow, in our own power, strength, authority, white-knuckle ourselves back onto the right spiritual tra track, that's a lie that we're believing, and it comes directly from Satan. He wants you never to dream that you need a savior, a rescuer. But you do, and so do I. I love that song that we sing. Look at what Paul says. Finally... Be strong in, help me out, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the first why. Why do we call on the Lord? Can write, write this down. We call on the Lord Jesus because he's powerful. We need that supernatural power instead of trying to fight the devil on our own authority, on our own power. Go to him. And then I'm going to give you a practical point. Most of us have grown up in a culture where we feel, and I suggested this before during the confession of sins, we're made to feel weak if we ask for help. We're, we're made to feel like we're less than if we seek someone to come alongside of us. We're made to feel like, oh, <laughs> you must need a crutch. I'm sorry for you if you need God. And I'm telling you right now, all of us ought to hold our crutches up loud and proud and shout about them and give glory to our crutch, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we do need his rescue and his help, and we can't live without him. That's why Paul starts this whole section. Remember, he's already told us, by grace you're saved through faith. The cross and the empty tomb are all yours, but now we're talking about this this new life and about making firm our faith that, that lands us e eternally in heaven through the power of the gospel, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, all freed from him, all given to us as a gift. But Paul is trying to say, don't let Satan wrestle that gift away from you. I, I want you to be with me in heaven one day. And he's going to come after you. He, very real, is going to come after you and try to wrestle that gift away. Don't wrestle with Satan by yourself. And don't let anyone lie to you and say you can do it by yourself. Here's what I want you to write down in that second phrase there. This is the practical takeaway of this first point. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We have to get out of our own way. 
And, and, and we're in our own way when we think we can handle sin by ourselves. We have to get out of our own way and stop trying to solve every problem by ourselves. We need help. Anybody here besides me? In your own way? Thinking that you have to solve every problem all by yourself? Oh, man. I wish you could follow me around and watch me try to, to solve problems in my own strength, in my own wisdom, in my own authority. Like every day you would be going, hey, Jeff, remember what you said on Sunday? Brothers and sisters, the biggest help I can give you today is to believe what we sang in that first song. Jesus is your rescuer. Be strong in him and in his mighty power. All right, here's the second thing that we want to see. Look, on, look at Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. We'll go down a little bit. We, we looked at 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let's go down a set of verses. Now Paul says, put on the full armor of God. He's going to say, here's how to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He wants to give you this spiritual armor. Put it on so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you, do you want to be able to stand against the devil's, I love that word, schemes. It's, it's a word that, that almost is like an architect making a drawing. And, and imagine Satan as an architect deliberately and very delicately to the nth degree making his architect's drawing out of how he's going to bring you down. That's what he gets to do all day, every day. And he has this immense power and authority himself to be able to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what Dustin is all about. I know what Jeff is all about. I know how to, to, to twist things, to lie to him, to convince him that I'm not all that powerful or real. I know how to convince him to, to fall once again into that same old temptation. Isn't it interesting that the devil's lies are never new? They're never new for thousands of years. He's just such a good liar that he comes back to us, even in our own experience. Tells us the same lie, and what do we do? What do I do? I believe it. Again, I need peace. I need comfort. I need, I need some chemical help. I need this sin because I, I just feel like a little bit calmed down when I can focus on this thing. I know God doesn't want me to do it. Just for a little while. This will be the last time, Lord. I won't do it again. Mm. How many times do we say things like that? Because all we're doing is repeating what the devil is whispering into our ear. Because he's scheming constantly against us and he knows us well enough to know and and how about this one have you ever heard the term pet sin you may never have heard that before i don't know if you how many of you have pets i was always curious about this phrase you know i didn't grow up a christian i 
I think it was in my 20s before I heard a pastor say, we all have pet sins. I'm like, what? What? But then I got to thinking about it. Those of you who have pets, why do you have pets? Anybody want to help me? What, what, what's great about your pet? You love cleaning up the poop in the backyard? You love making sure you're up to take him for a walk every morning, and then last thing before you go to bed, you take him for a walk again? You love that your cat ignores you entirely and acts like they're queen of the house? You love that your parrot repeats everything that you say? Don't repeat that. You love that you have to clean your fish tank? Come on, you don't love any of that. But there are things to love about your dog, your cat, right? What I love about all my pets is how they snuggle up against me, not my fish, but the rest of them. It's just comforting. Have you ever heard a cat purr? It's like a little motor, a little white noise. They're so soft. But dogs are even better. I'm kind of a dog guy. They're so loyal, right? And they bring you comfort. Now think about sin. Do you have a sin that brings you some of those same comforting feelings that allow you to take your attention off the stresses and the problems and the pains of the world for a little while? That's what a pet sin does, and that's why we keep going back to it, because we think we need it to relieve the stress, to take our focus off all the pain of our, of our lives. And that's Satan's lie, that you need that sin. You don't need that sin any more than Eve and Adam needed the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't need it, but, but Satan came and said, oh, you need that. Who's God to tell you not to eat that? Pet sins, just another way that Satan lies to us. So call on the Lord, number two, because your foremost spiritual enemy, I think you get it, is very powerful and very dangerous. There's no one who knows how to lie to you better than he does. And he wants to take you down. His lies are not friendly little white lies. His lies are meant to destroy you, demolish you, and not just for now, not just for a short while, but for eternity. You've all heard misery loves company. Satan is miserable. He's angry. He's frustrated that he could not defeat Jesus. And in his frustration and his anger and his misery... He wants as many people to join him in that misery as possible. So Paul comes along and says, recognizing that, you better get armored up. Because the devil is an architect scheming against you every day. Now I know this all sounds a little bit scary, but there's a reason why I'm being a little scary this morning. Number one, I think it reflects what Paul is saying. Remember, this is the conclusion. He's leaving the Ephesians with this beautiful gospel message. But before he leaves them, he's saying, look, guys, we have an enemy. And we have to take him seriously. He's real. His dark world is real. His evil angels, the demons, are real. Armor up. And Paul's point, practical point here, 
the point in parentheses, or yeah, in parentheses, not parentheses, in italics. There's the right word. We need to get out of denial about the dark world and demonic forces. Watch all the scary movies you want, but don't let it ever th let you think that demonic forces are nothing more than Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. They are real and far more powerful to bring us down. We need to get out of denial about the dark world and demonic force. They're real, and so is their threat to you and to me. Now let me ask you, you just heard Paul say, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Can you imagine a fireman getting in the fire truck upon a call getting to the fire and jumping to go get the fire hose unreeled, grabbing the fire hose, and then all of a sudden going, oh no, I left my fire boots and my fire coat and my fire helmet back at the station. I hope that's never happened to a real fireman. I hope it never happens if it's your fireman coming to your fire because that would be disastrous for a fireman to leave the station without his body armor on. In today's world, if you pay attention to the news at all, I, I don't think there are many police officers left anymore who don't have their body armor on daily. It's too risky nowadays. There were those days back in the past where police could just put their nice little policeman's shirt on and feel safe and be okay. Those days are gone. Policemen don't typically go anywhere without their body armor anymore. Can you imagine a Navy SEAL? Ah, <laughs> I need that helmet. That gun? Who needs that? I'll just go talk to these guys. They'll, we'll just talk. They're not going to do that. They know I need protection if I'm going to fight this battle. This is why Paul is saying to us what I'm passing on to you. You need your soul armor every day on every call that you make, every, every appointment on your Google calendar is an opportunity for Satan to invite himself into that appointment. Did you ever realize that? Every classroom that you're in. Uh, I love school bells when I taught high school. It's so nice. You got the bells. They tell you when you go in. They tell you when you come out. Every last time, the devil loved to sneak his way into the classroom. I don't care what you do if you teach or you don't teach, if you're a businessman, if you're a doctor, a nurse, plumber, Satan is ready to be there at every appointment on your calendar. He just invites himself on in. And so if you go into that appointment or this one without your soul armor on, you're risking yourself. You're risking, you're putting your soul at risk and maybe the souls of others at risk too. No police officer, no soldier, no fireman would ever dream of doing that. And Paul is saying, don't you 
dream of it either. Look, he repeats it, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And you don't know when that day of evil is coming. I want you to pay very close attention to Paul's turn of phrase there. Are you catching it? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that if the day of evil comes, there's no if. Sometimes we live as though there's an if there. Oh, you know, maybe the day of evil is coming tomorrow. He's not talking about the big capital D day of evil, judgment day, or some huge disaster, world war, or whatever. That's not what he's talking about. This is small d, small e to indicate every day, commonly, in a fallen world when we are fallen people, it's not an if, it's a when. The day of evil is coming. It's coming every day. Don't, this is not, I, I should have warned you, this is not like the light sermon, the happy sermon. But this is the real sermon. The sermon that Paul was preaching at the conclusion of his letter to people that he dearly and deeply loved, wanting them to be ready. And I, I dearly and deeply love you. I'm just getting to know you, but I dearly and deeply love you because Jesus dearly and deeply loved me and calls upon me to dearly and deeply love you. We'll get to know each other later, but we can dearly and deeply love one another right now. And in that dear, deep love, I'm begging you, pleading with you, as Paul pleaded with the Ephesians, Take the dark world seriously. Take Satan seriously. Put on your armor. And what does that mean? What does that mean to put on your armor? Hopefully I don't fall off the stage. What does it mean? Like really practically. Put up the next part of this. You'll be able to tell me. Okay, go ahead, do the fill-in. Daily readiness by being in the word is key. I gave you the answer. The devil doesn't take days off, nor should we. Go ahead and do those fill-ins, and then we'll look at the verse, and you'll see where I got that. Did you think the devil took days off? Oh, it's Sunday. devil's taking day, day off today because it's church day. Not my family. That was the devil's best day. Just even getting my kids into the car. And trying to get to church somewhat like half calm. The devil was at work very early on Sunday morning. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday too. He doesn't take days off. Let's go on. I want you to see. Go on to the passage. Go back. Well, maybe I don't have it. Well, I'm going to read it to you. I thought I had it from last night. Let me read it to you. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. God wants you to stand. Now listen to what he says about this armor. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Belt of truth. Where do we get truth? 
Just think about it for a moment. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, where do you find out about Christ's righteousness? With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There it is. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Where do all these things come from? Where do they all come from? What's the, what's the equipment locker for all these things with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You've all watched police dramas or fire dramas, and there's a locker, and they go into the locker, and they pull it open, and there's their coat, there's their helmet, there's their body armor hanging there. What's the locker for all this stuff? Let me give you a hint. God's Word. What Paul is really saying to the Ephesians, as I leave you, as I conclude this letter, you don't need me as much as you need Jesus himself who is in the Word. Be in the Word. And when he says, put on your armor, he means do your devotions. That's what he really means. Crack open your Bible. Don't let it get dusty. That's like leaving your body armor in the locker. And what Paul is saying, really asking all of us is, do you have a plan? Do you know that it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourselves, that you need a rescuer because it's not of yourselves? And if you want to protect what he's given you, open the locker. And pull out your body armor, your soul armor every day because you need him and you need it. Here's, here's uh, poor John back there trying to follow me this morning. I feel so bad for him. Daily readiness by being in the word is key. The devil doesn't take days off, neither should we. All right, final thing and then we'll close. Number four, call on the Lord because he promises to hear you. Listen to, the, to that final verse. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Oh, I love that. Be alert. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And one of the best ways to stay alert is... Talk to the Lord. Do you, do you know what I do when I'm about to fall asleep at the wheel? Maybe I've been driving for a, a long time. Julie does it when she's about to fall asleep at the wheel, too. We've learned this. We go, honey, wake up. I can't be doing this driving. I'm about to fall asleep. I almost drove off the road. We actually did that one time on the way here. We're like, I'm, mm. you know what I said? Yeah, Brian's like, you did? We almost lost you before you even got here? Here's what I did about it. Focus on that. I said, honey, wake up. I need you to talk with me. Because it's interesting how a conversation with another person can keep you alert. You have to think about what you're going to say back. You have to try to listen. Let's start a conversation. This is what Paul is saying. You feel like 
the dark world and Satan is getting to be blasé, laissez-faire. You don't have to pay attention to the dark world anymore. Start a conversation with God. He'll make you awake. He'll wake you up to the realities of what's happening. What's happening. Be in the Word. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And by the way, nothing's too big to pray to the Lord about, and nothing's too small to ask Him about. I, I shared with the youth last night that on my way back, I, I flew back to Phoenix for just a few days this past week, and I did the dumbest thing. My earbuds, I took them out because I was going to listen to some music on the plane, and I tucked them into the seat pocket in front of me. Anybody ever done that? You're all, why are you already shaking your head? You know what I did, don't you? Yeah. Because I've known his family for a long time. They, they know what I'm going to do. You all know what I did. I left those earbuds in the pocket. Now, I was annoyed because I use those earbuds every day. They're, they're great. They have a little tether. You can put them on. They, you know, you go to the gym, you ride a bike, whatever. They're not going anywhere. You're not going to lose them. Unless, of course, you put them in a seat pocket on a plane. But I was so annoyed, I finally said, is this too small for me to give over to the Lord? And my answer was no. Because I can't live with being so annoyed at myself. And a little annoyed at Julie because she should have told me to check the pocket. Just kidding, people. <laughs> you know, whether it's big or whether it's small, learn to walk and talk with the Lord every day. That's, that's how you make sure you don't lose sight of that, that soul armor that, that God has you. Nothing is too big for God and nothing is too small. So here's what I want to do. I have an offer for you that you can't refuse. We have... A kind member of our congregation. By the way, also, if you're a teen, I gave some away to the teens last night. If you don't have a Bible, and this is beautiful New International Version translation, two colors, not just one. If you don't have a Bible, we've got one for you. And we want you to have it because here's the locker for your soul armor. And you can come up here, I'll give you one. You can go out to Pastor Dustin in the lobby, he'll give you one. We want you to have a locker for your soul armor and open it and read it every day. Download the Bible app on your phone so that when you're walking into that next appointment, you can open the locker wherever you are and put on your armor. And your next step for today is just make a plan. Make a plan for how you're going to put on your soul armor every day because Satan's coming every day and he doesn't take days off. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, convince us. Whatever you have to do, Father, send your spirit and persuade us as we're reminded in everything around us right now, there's a dark world. But let us not laugh it off this Halloween. 
let us take it seriously that Satan and all his evil angels are coming after us to destroy us and not be scared of it, Lord. You are the victor. Easter is the celebration of your victory. We don't have to be frightened out of our gourds because we have you and we can be strong in the Lord, you, and in your mighty power. Give us confidence. Give us hope. Give us the, the, the bravery and the courage to fight back and help us to remember that our, our true struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our family. It's not against our neighbors. It's not against our co-workers. It's not against those on the other side of the political spectrum. That's not where the battle is. The battle is between us as dearly loved children of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and the, and the evil forces of Satan. Help us to stay focused on that fight, Lord, and to realize we need your rescue and your help every day, and we need to put on that body armor every day too. In Jesus' name, we, we ask it and we pray it.